Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. And I want to start by making uh, a disclaimer that this might be one of those episodes that you don't want to listen to with little ones. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. We need to find out what it is they already know and what they're seeking to understand a podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. Again, I'm going to have to just point out that I believe that the experts never recommend actually fleeing from your child when they're asking you sex questions. Hey guys, before we start, I want to just say thank you to everyone who has reviewed the podcast on iTunes. If you haven't yet had a chance to review the podcast on iTunes and would like to, you can go to our website, whatfreshhellpodcast.com, and there are simple instructions on how to leave us a review. The reviews really help us find new listeners, so we really appreciate it. Thanks. Okay, and with that, welcome to the podcast. Today, we're going to talk about what to say when you don't have a clue. Right. That never happens to me. So, but maybe, maybe some of some this other people. This is for like those questions that your kids ask that you just don't really know the answer to, but their big eyes are looking up at you and saying, "Mommy, can you tell me?" And uh, you think, I'd, "I'm not really sure if I can." And then I want to start by making uh, a disclaimer that this might be one of those episodes that you don't want to listen to with little ones with whom you have not already had every sort of difficult conversation that you, if you've done that already. But that's never over. There's but def- this, there might be some peeking behind the curtain stuff, so. My, my, uh, I do need to talk about this because my, sort. this is Amy, and my sort of method in this is usually just delay, 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 and until <laughs> Which now. Which zero out of zero parenting <laughs> experts recommend that tactic for the I think. I mean, I think delaying, not going too soon on some of this stuff is extremely important. And I've been burned and we'll talk about that. I have I'm just that more picturing way. that your kid asks you a question and you scream delay and run away. <laughs> That's what I'm picturing. Delay. Uh, but yes, my, so now I have a 14 year old with whom I've had some difficult conversations, but not others. And it might be too late now for some of them, if you see what I'm saying. No, I don't. You have to give me more details. Well, that, that say, I've, I've certainly had the um, facts of life discussion with him, but in a sort of general way. And in a, like, you know, you know that if you have questions, I'm happy to answer them. And do you have questions? No. And you're like, run away. <laughs> like, <laughs> that, 
again, I'm going to have to just point out that I believe that the experts never recommend actually fleeing from your child when they're asking you sex questions. I have been known to leave like a book on the bed, right? Really? Yeah. There's You're a there's a me there's up. a cup there's some really good books. There's one called It's So Amazing. And then American Girl makes some amazing ones for girls that care and keep. Hopefully not you. for a 14-year-old boy. No, no, no. Not for well, he, he, yeah, he Where sh- are we in this conversation? There's definitely, I'm already confused. So you're definitely not good at this. No, well, there's definitely some stuff in the Care and Keeping of You American Girl book that my 14-year-old boy doesn't know. Like, for sure. It's all the, uh, all the lady part stuff that, that these books sometimes put apart. They put across in a very, um, palatable, like, gentle way where, like, they, they, um, they bury the lead to like page seventy-two. If you know what I'm saying, <laughs> you've got to get in. I, like, I, it's not boobies on yes, page one. But you've my, got to really dive in. My twelve-year-old. Uh, this was last year. He was eleven. He had had a question or two, so I, I left around the "It's So Amazing" book, and uh, he. <laughs> you he, are cracking me up. Well, this is what happens. He comes to me. He's he's read the book, and I said, "So what did you you know? What did you think of that book? I think it's pretty good, and let's talk about it." And he said, "Well, I liked it, but I have to show you something." He said, in this book, there's a mistake. And I said, okay. <laughs> and he opens to like... like when my mom does the New York Times crossword puzzle on Sunday, and she's like, they made a mistake. <laughs> right. The words don't fit. <laughs> they said that there's a mistake here. And he shows me, you know, the page, like page 110, where they finally have... <laughs> Uh, enough, enough prologue. Let's let's break it to them gently. And he shows it to me. Like, look what this book says. Because that's crazy. <laughs> like, yeah, that's that's actually uh, one hundred percent accurate. And do you have any other further questions? And then no, he needed to go be by himself and think about that for a while. Yeah, I mean, you're way, way ahead of me. My oldest is eight, a boy, not really curious about any of these things. And um, then I have a six year old and a four year old. So I'm still sort of like. Oh, don't tell me. I know babies come out of your butt. I'm still at that phase of this conversation. And, uh, I'm, well, I'm enjoy. fine. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. But then there's, then there's, you can't go too early, right? Because this same kid, he asked me, um, he asked me uh, in a taxi when he was in first grade about the tooth fairy. And the taxi driver's like looking at me in their rear view mirror the whole time, making eye contact with me. And he's like, I <laughs> like, know. How are you going to handle yeah, this one? Mom? I know there's no tooth fairy. I know there's no tooth fairy. Just tell me, just tell me, just tell me, just tell me. And so I said, okay, like, okay, you're right. It's me. And, and he said, you're putting stuff under the pillow. And I said, yeah. And he burst into tears and said, you can't do that. And I said, why? And he said, because what if the real tooth fairy comes and looks in the window and she sees you doing it? Then I will never get anything from the tooth fairy. And the taxi yeah. driver just looks at me in the rearview mirror like, lady, did you wah, blow wah. that one? I did, uh, he told hilarious. me. He told me to tell him, and I told him, and he didn't want to know. And believe me, you want to get you want to get ahead of steam on that kid. Bring that up. He he is so you mad didn't about that. Realize that you were running ahead until he provided his half of the equation, which is like I really still do believe in this, and I'm just looking for reassurance. Right. Exactly. Right. He he, right, he wanted me to help him rebelieve, and uh, oh, I and I pulled the rug out. To. So I, so that's sort of my question. It's really hard, and I don't know if there is an easy solution to this, is, is you don't want to wait too long, but you don't want to go too early either on this difficult stuff, and how do you, how do you find that exact right moment, which I think is about a 15-second uh, <laughs> moment. No, there's this very, very short window on all these things. So we're not just talking about sex conversation. We're talking about kids asking you about the tooth fairy, Santa, 
kids asking you why there are wars, kids asking you about racism. Like there's lots of questions that come up during the day from kids that can seem a little overwhelming. Yes. And, and, and like the racism thing, perfect example. It was Martin Luther King Day last month. And um, my sister's five-year-old came home and he wants to talk to her about Martin Luther King. And not that she doesn't want to talk about the great Dr. King, but this is a five-year-old with kids of every color in his class to whom it was a completely new concept in his little world that people would think less of somebody else based on the color of their skin. And so for my sister, it was really complicated because she's like, I'm, I'm introducing something I don't want him to know about because I guess it's time for him to know about it. Because you get ahead of, of yourself really fast. Yeah, because in, but in kindergarten, he seemed better off not knowing about it. He didn't know he was supposed to think less of Oscar or that anybody would have ever thought so, and now I'm just sort of bringing that to his attention. It's, well, the it's, amazing it's thing about racism and that whole civil rights thing is that that conversation shows you how insane racism is because you try to explain it to a kid and it just doesn't make sense. You're like, no, no, no. So... Back in the day, people thought that children with different color skins should not be allowed in the same place. And our kids are like, wait, what? Like, it, they just, you, they literally cannot understand it. Right. And I think it can be for a four-year-old. We had a friend who had a four-year-old and was reading some Martin Luther King story. Little blonde, curly-headed four-year-old. And... The story was, you know, depicting like Martin Luther King fights for the rights of African-American children and that the kids were sort of marching up. And in some way, the illustration was like um, African-American kids on one side and white kids on the other side. And um, Dr. King was fighting for the rights of children. And my friend went to tuck her child in at night and the girl was crying and sobbing. And she's like, I'm afraid of Dr. Martin Luther King Day to come. And her mom's like, uh, why? And she's like, because I don't want King Jr. to fight me. <laughs> like she somehow in seeing the book had completely mixed up the entire story in her mind. And like Dr. King was suddenly this guy who came to fight white children. Like that's what she took away from the story. And that's sort of the danger of having these conversations with kids who are too young. Right. And, 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 and let me pause to say this is a privileged thing to have, right? Uh, I mean, I heard Ta-Nehisi Coates on NPR talking about having this conversation with his child. And of course, his five-year-old knew all about this stuff. Mm, that's really interesting. Because they're black, right? So, so I guess it's, it's, it's so we, we want to protect our kids from this, but that's because that's an option for them. So I guess uh, we need to keep that in, in mind. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, right, that our kids have to be told about something that other kids are by the age of four, they've already experienced several times. So let me ask you, because you said, you said <laughs> this may or may not be exactly true that babies uh, come out of butts at your house and you're just going to be fine with that. Are you, are you? No, I mean, I'm not. You're not, you're, there's no like misinformation campaigns in your house, but a little. Oh, I'm not like, guys, it's the butt. Like, I'm not <laughs> leading that discussion. I am having, no, I mean, I just hear them talking to each other. This is the piece of advice that I think reigns this entire conversation, which I believe I got from my sister-in-law. I should just let my sister-in-law host the podcast because basically the whole podcast is me passing along information that I got from my sister-in-law. She has a phrase that has led this entire topic for me. Only answer the question you are asked. 
That is so, I wish I, she was my sister-in-law. I That's know, because advice. it's genius. Because where you get into trouble, the question is, mom, do babies come out of your butt? The correct answer is no, babies do not come out of your butt. I am only answering the question I was asked. Here's what I would do in the past. My, I have a brother who's much younger than me who asked me what AIDS was, you know, like 20 years right. ago. And I did, a, and I was, you know, young then. I was, I mean, he was eight and I was 27, but I, but I gave him. <laughs> I wow, gave him God a, bless your mother. Yeah, I gave him a way too complicated version of condoms and safe right, sex. Right, you're And I'm deep. watching his, you know, I'm watching his eyes go like, what? I, he wasn't eight. He was probably more like 12 or 13. But still, his, his eyes went, went like saucers. And I realized as I was talking and, and not a parent myself yet, like, oh, I'm, I'm saying way too much. And so right. I, I'm totally in agreement with that. But I think the way to figure out, all right, so somebody, I've got a quote here. There's an, educator, there's an educator named Danielle McLaughlin, and she says, in order to engage with our children on these difficult matters, we need to find out what it is they already know and what they're seeking to understand. And so I think it's related to yours, maybe takes a, a, a step in another direction, but don't, don't answer the question they're not asking. If they're saying, do babies come out of butts? You can say no, right? Right. And maybe that's enough. Or maybe you say, well, what do you think? And and then you find out what they think. Don't start pulling out the charts because they might not really want to know. But they might want to just be able to tell their friend. They might want to tell Bobby, no, they don't. That might be all they need for right. that right. year. Yes, right? I think that's right. Yeah. I, so I think they're slightly separate. Like I think the rule of answer only what they ask helps you get to what you're talking about, which is what do they want to know. So mom, do babies come out of your butt? No. If that's the end of the conversation, that's the end of the right. conversation. Then if they go back to like eating waffles, then it's like, great. They just need to cross that one off the list. But if you say no and they say, well, if they don't, where do they come from? Now you're into like, okay, what's the information they're actually looking for? It helps you. If you only answer the question you're asked, I think it helps get to your thing, which is what is the actual information they're looking for? Whereas if the question is what is AIDS and you find yourself in a lengthy discussion of the underground gay club scene in the 1980s, like you're like, whoa, 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 this is not where I want to be. I want to be at, it's a disease. Right. And then, okay, so, but who gets it? How do you get it? How do you get it? Like let the child lead the conversation with their questions versus you leading it with your answer. I am on the side, I guess, of of putting off putting off the world as a cruel place is fine, and sort of giving age appropriate. I mean, I'm I'm somebody. My kids, you, you call their body parts by their real names and all of that. But we do do like. But yeah, I will tell my five-year-old that mommy and daddy do a special hug. Like, and and my eleven-year-old something very <laughs> you, different. You just gave me a really yucky feeling. <laughs> Well, it's yucky to talk about it at all, but I don't think my I don't my kid doesn't want to know. No, they definitely don't want to know. Right? They don't want to know. Was it in response to a question? Yes. How do babies get made? Especially. I guess I could have said, "How do you think babies get made?" And then no, I mean I don't don't think you can always turn it around on them. How do babies get made? Yeah. I don't know. I'm so immature now. I'm just cracking up. So I have another bit of advice. I'm basically a five year old. We don't know. We definitely have no idea. So, so uh, our friend Dr. Michael Thompson, we've talked about him on this show before, and he has he, here's his bit of advice, which is to pause before you respond. 
He said, says that when, this is a general thing, but it, it, it uh, applies basically, you know, especially in this situation, that school-aged children really want to feel like they're being listened to by their parents. And so it is fine in this situation to say, hmm, let me think about that for a moment and then take the moment to calm your scrambling brain, but that that's actually a good thing for your child. Your child will respond well to you saying, to, instead of just dismissing it or shutting it down, to sort of buy yourself some time, figure out what they know, but but re- literally say, hmm, I need to think about that for a moment and pause and deeply engage with the question they're asking, even if you're just pretending and inside you're freaking out. I mean, that is very, very solid advice. And I will give you an example from my own recent life where that did not go well, which is that it was bedtime. And definitely my six-year-old has definitely started asking a lot of questions about, like, dying. And I remember my eight-year-old going through this phase. Like, there's this sudden realization of, like, people die, and what does that mean? And so I was tucking people in at night, and um, my six-year-old said, Mom, if I die, I'm going to go to heaven, right? Yep, that's what's going to happen. Then he said, but what about my toys? And I said, oh, it's fine. Your toys will just come with you to heaven. At which point his eight-year-old brother from the bottom bunk was like, wait, he gets the toys? <laughs> I was like, no, 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 no. When he dies, he there's a set of the toys waiting for him in heaven, but the toys still stay here on earth. <laughs> and then they're like, what about Peggy's toys? And I'm like, okay. Because uh, sometimes I like to play with those. Like, There's a full replica of our house in heaven. So you have everything you need. And then immediately I'm just completely lost in the story of like, wait a minute. Are there three sets? Because there's three of us. How is it happening? What if I lose one of my toys in heaven? Do I have to come back to earth to get the toy? Like, if you don't take that pause, you can get yourself really lost in the theology of where the toys are after you die. Seriously. Like the backstory, like think about the backstory of the Easter bunny as opposed to <laughs> Santa Claus. When you get the questions like, is it is it a giant man-sized bunny? <laughs> and you're like, I, I don't know. And like, where does he keep the baskets for everybody in the whole world? Like we have not, nobody has established this. Can we please get some core principles in place? That's so a we really can... good point. Someone needs to really... Just Suss decide. Out Just that origin us. story. Maybe like a George Lucas, J.J. Um, Abrams origin story for the, the bunny. Because wasn't there? Wh- what? Wh- who is that guy? There was a movie called Hop, right, or something. I didn't or see egg it. or something like that. No, I think it <laughs> me was neither. I missed Hop. it. I didn't see it. I didn't see and it. And then the tooth fairy, like, is it one? Is it many? My my daughter has a book that it's all about. It's like a plethora of fairies that serve the fairy queen, and she makes furniture out of the teeth. <laughs> Oh my God! You just gave me the willies. Even more Whatever. than a special hug. I, yeah, like that really gave this me the This book willies. is all, so special. Hug. Don't get this book for your kids. Oh, but it, but it does at hideous. least. She has a firm belief system in place. You know, kind of until you forget. Have you? Do you? I, I am. I'm the worst. Everybody's the worst. I mean, like if the there's anybody thing? out there who's never missed a tooth fairy duty, like raise your hand. I'm going to be so impressed. My sister-in-law missed it once, and she sent herself an email. To, like she like set up a like toothfairyadayol.com email to send herself a message saying, "I'm really sorry. I don't work Tuesdays. I'll be there tonight," so she could show it to her completely, you know, just befuddled and upset daughter. That is hilarious. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, the tooth fairy is just, but I definitely remember that as a kid, like constantly my mom being like, oh, the tooth fairy didn't come. Oh, they'll, they'll make it by the end of the week. Sometimes, they're, like, my mom was definitely that tooth fairy. they like, not really on her game tooth fairy. I was also the third in three years. Possibly my brother made out a little bit better with that, but yeah, the tooth fairy is, it's a low priority one. But yeah, but what's, if, if the tooth fairy goes, right, it's just. Well, that's a cards. And again, if you're just starting the podcast now, we are talking a lot about behind the scenes mom issues. So this is not a good episode to listen to with your kids. Uh, what always made me laugh is that as kids, we were like, oh, that Easter bunny thing is a total crock. That's not real. The Easter bunny, like, who believes in an Easter <laughs> bunny? A giant bunny that brings candy? Ridiculous. But Santa, we're all in. Like, right. we did not, how come they didn't fall simultaneously? It seems like the minute you figure out that the tooth fairy is mom, it should logically take out Santa and the Easter Bunny in one fell swoop. But I believed in Santa, like, for three years after realizing that the Easter Bunny was a crock. Well, Santa, we have a consistent backstory for Santa. Is that it? It's that origin story. And do we, I mean, there are some people who think it's wrong to have your kids do this in the first place. But I feel like the, the weight, the fact that kids do do that, like, first tooth fairy, no way, then Easter Bunny, no way, then two or three more years of Santa, means that they... That children have this belief system and it should be fostered. I guess some people think it's wrong. To well, lie to I understand Santa, how but... people are like, it's kind of weird to lie to your kids about this whole realm that is not true. But I can't get that excited about that. And I don't really know why. I mean, I definitely understand the argument. Like, it's kind of weird. But um... well, I'm doing it. I don't care. Oh, I I'm, in. I'm in. I'm, I'm, I'm in. I'm totally doing it. It's why I had kids to have Santa. Yeah. But <laughs> to lie to them about a fat man coming down the chimney. That's why I fat man. <laughs> right. All right. Well, I think that's a good place to break. We're going to take our first break and um, share this little comedy piece with you. And we'll be right back. When questions from your kids go wrong. Mom's Easter Bunny real? Okay, fine. It's me. It's you! Why did you tell me that? How old are you going to be when you and Dad die? When we're a hundred. A hundred? That seems really soon! Then let's just say never, okay? Let, let's go with never. Mom, what's a condom? I am, I am going to be right back as soon as I get some pamphlets for you. Is my goldfish in real heaven or fish heaven? Um, real heaven, I think. Or fish heaven. Whatever you think is better. Kids' questions. Do babies come out of your butt? Sometimes it's better to just run away. Mommy just remembered she needs something for the garage. Let's talk later. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses, first two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we say? and making diaper changes a breeze. 
For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E, lumen.me, and use the code FRESH at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code motherhood at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code motherhood for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Okay, we're back. Uh, but it seems to me that I'm, I just realized that there's kind of a bifurcation in these things. We're talking about difficult conversations, but half of them are about fictions we're trying to hold in place, and the other half are about realities we're trying to prevent our kids from having to know more about than they need to at their Ooh, age. Those are kind I of different things. a scholarly things. article coming on from you. <laughs> right? Seems like sex and Santa Claus are sort of different conversations, but we're treating them as though they're the same thing. Well, we're just kind of having an overall, yeah, they're not really the same thing, but I think they, yeah. I mean, the Santa Claus Easter Bunny Tooth Fairy is kind of a different category, but it has a little bit of the same sensation of like kid asks you a question, you have no idea what to say in response. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I don't really know how the magic fairy lady, what she does with the teeth. I think it's time for another piece of advice. 
Okay, right. so P- PBS Parents, I thought this was another good piece of advice. I'll put the link up on the show page. PBS Parents says that you need to save a little bit for further discussions because they're well, maybe. So it's kind of the same thing as don't say more than you need to say. But I guess even, even when you're saying the need to say, leave a little bit out because if they are ready to engage with this topic, they'll be back tomorrow or they'll be back right. in- 30 seconds, and then you have a little bit more, <laughs> save a little bit of what you're willing to divulge for the next time. Yeah, I think it's another arm of only only answer the question you're asked, because that's right. Like, if the question is like, how are babies made? And you get out the encyclopedia and answer every single question, like, let, let them come to you with the questions, because yeah, there's going to be, and also just what they're ready to know about stuff by four is different than what they're ready to know or they need to know by 14. Absolutely. And I think, and I think it's, you have to be somewhat proactive because you have to be aware that you are not, I mean, this is much more true for you than for me, although I do have a third grader. So this is already starting to come into play. Someone is going to provide your kid with this information. And do you want it to be like Ralphie behind the garbage cans in the schoolyard, or do you want it to be you? I would suggest strongly that you want it to be you. That is exactly right, because I was the fifth grader that could, I knew where babies came from. I was an early reader, and so even in the, fifth grade was pretty innocent in the 80s, but me, I had it all figured out, and I would tell anybody for a nickel or just for free. But I was rife with misinformation. Go see Amy. Give her a quarter. She'll tell you. I know the scales fall from many of my friends' eyes. But my, all right, do you want... Fifth grade Amy Wilson telling your kid no, no. Tell them yourself. And this is this is a this is a this is a sort of related point. I think you know this is a good good topic on which to be in touch with your kids, friends, parents, and maybe have the difficult conversation of what do they know and what are they talking about. I find out my oldest was at an eight year old slumber party with perhaps uh, insufficient parental supervision, I was to find out later, um, where one kid announced to the rest of the kids that being gay meant two guys touched peepees, and that was how, how it went down. And so this mother said to me, did you know this happened? No, I hadn't. I went and talked to my son about this. Of course, he's eight. He wants he wants no part of any of this understanding. He does not and I just, want to talk right, to you about so peepees. Like, so I was like, you know what? This kid, he was wrong about that, and the time's going to come when you're going to have more questions like this and I just want you to come to me or to dad. Don't ask your friends because they're going to tell you stuff that's really like dumb, dumb and wrong. That's that's not true. Wait, was the kid wrong? Well, I, I, that's in, what's within the realm of possibility. <laughs> I mean, he was insufficient, but you know, I don't know that he was it's, wrong. But I think you definitely, yes, you definitely want to be part of the conversation. I think it is um, unrealistic to think that you are going to shape and mold everything your kid understands about any given topic and that it is totally normal and okay for kids to discuss this thing these things among themselves well that's true they're going so it's totally fine for like my um kids to come home and be like um i told people that babies come out of your butt and they said no someone said no they come out of your vagina what's a vagina and it's like okay a vagina is actually where the baby comes out of and it's between well, where is it? now? I, I our viewers got very lucky. We don't need I felt that so one. confident when I started that. Com- that Everybody sentence. listening already knows the answer to that. But right, you know where the vagina is. Just tell them. Google but, it. Yeah, but it's fine. I, I don't think it's realistic to think that like boys are not going to have these discussions on their own, and girls 
are not going to discuss things on their own, but you should be having the conversations as well so they have a little bit more of a reliable source. But again, the, the conversations they're ready to have, right? And I think staying age appropriate, staying on the topic that your kid is asking you about is also important because I have really young kids who sometimes say things like, war is when good guys fight bad guys. And I personally feel like war is a slightly more complicated topic than that. But war is when geopolitical shifts happen and people become engaged and, da, 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 and all my personal feelings. But at the end of the day, my four, five, six-year-old will understand that as he becomes maybe a teenager, college kid, post-college he does not understand, need to understand that at five. Yes. And so that statement just stays. I'm not having a conversation with him about like, well, actually, war can be quite complicated. Sometimes people really believe they're, you know, no. Yeah, war is good guys versus bad guys. That's right. That's, that, that's, I, I totally agree about that, that, that some obfuscation for age-appropriate explanations is fine. You, that, that you have a very different conversation with your 12-year-old about that than you would your 5-year-old. Your 5-year-old just wants to be reassured that the bad guys aren't coming to his house, probably. So that's... Right. They're, they're much more self-centered. Their world, right. Their worldview is small. What's for snack, right? So, so keep, it, keep it simple and keep it reassuring. And I, and I think as like difficult topics come up with kids, things that come up that are complicated and more difficult to understand, um, like we have a friend... Uh, whose husband died and then it was like the funeral and a lot of the parents didn't allow their kids to go because they were like oh I don't want to have to talk to my like five or six year old about somebody dying it's too frightening for them and I think that you can have age-appropriate conversations even about really difficult things like this is a really sad thing and our your thing is to go and support and comfort your friend you know like that that there is age-appropriate conversations to have on every level, but just to make sure you're keeping your kid at their appropriate age level. And not too young, you mean? Well, not too young, but also not, also not feeling like you have to completely avoid the topic of, like, people die in, in four-year-olds' lives. People die in 14-year-olds' lives. It's a different conversation, but you don't have to pretend with a four-year-old that people don't die. You know, it's, you're, you, and, and kids, kids are much more accepting of reality right. than we sometimes give them credit for, right? So I'm, I'm the oldest of a big family. Now I have another difficult conversation with my much younger sibling's story. Different sibling. So my, my, uh, my 12-year-old younger sister came to me when she was probably also about eight, right? And so I was in, I was in college. I was 20. <laughs> and she comes comes up to me. Did your mom have any idea that this was going no, on? No, like you were like running the house basically. My no, my mom definitely. We didn't we didn't have these conversations or have books, but it was a different time, right? It was right. It was me telling. It was that's right. It was back when you learned everything you needed to know from a fifth grader. Um, rife with misinformation. But anyway, my my sister comes to me and she's younger and she was you know giggling so much she couldn't even get it out. She's like, "What's a lesbian?" And I said, and you know, I was a uh, college student and completely, uh, even way back then, I was completely, uh, you know, bleeding heart. And I was like, it is a woman who loves another woman. And she was like, what do you mean? I said, well, sometimes, you know, boys and girls like to get married and sometimes two women like to get married. And she was like, 
oh. And she was, you could tell, like, her face, her face She's fell. Like, I thought this was going to be right, much more fun. Right, right, Like, that's all? She was so disappointed by that explanation because it was so, uh, seemed reasonable to her. Walked away, end of conversation. And so, yes, I do think you're right. We can go too far in trying to protect our kids from complicated things that aren't that complicated to a child. Right, and they will understand them on their own level, but... Um, you know, especially with a topic like death. I mean, my kids think about it and talk about it all the time. You're not going to keep your kid from knowing that people die. And so my, they talk about it all the time and they've gotten a little obsessed with the idea. Again, probably I answered too quickly at one point. They were like, what age do people die at? And I said a (laughs) hundred. I should have probably, well, taken a pause. Should have probably paused on that one. Hmm, but I let said me think about that. <laughs> and now they're kind of like, okay, well, we don't have to worry about it because people don't die until they're 100. But then, of course, people die. They're not 100. It's like, how did that happen? Da, 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 da. But, well, look, that's a difficult conversation that you may or may not have to have, right? Like that, like, that uh, a classmate will have a death in their family or something. There, there are, if you have to have the difficult conversation, then you have it in an age-appropriate way. But I think it's okay to shield your five-year-old from that if there's no reason for them to really understand it. Yeah, but I mean, is there really never, I mean, I think there's, uh, my kids have just come to me at a certain point with like, wait a minute, what's with this dying thing? And both my boys went through a period where they were somewhat, I would say, obsessed on the topic, like kind of asking me about it frequently. Like once they realize people die, they're like, and whether they hear it in a book or they see it in the, um, and I remember in Frozen, when we first watched Frozen, there's this scene where like the boat goes out and the swelling music happens and then the wave comes over the boat and then they come and cover the parents portrait with black and I was like oh my god this is it like they're gonna all turn to me and be like what if you and dad die and oh no and this is gonna ruin their minds and they um they never asked me about it they just watched it they never had that reaction that I was projecting onto them of like this is the moment they realized we could die at any minute and life is so fragile Never asked me. And then at some point when they were watching it for like the 10th time, one of my sons was like, they drowned. And then they just, again, kept going. Like they got it. They're not missing it. But I think we sometimes as adults project this huge agenda onto kids of like, they're going to see that. They're going to wonder. They're going to this. They're going to that. It's like, let them come to you. Right. They're going to ask. They're not holding it in. Well, yeah, they'll, they'll ask about that stuff. They're not going to ask about the sex stuff. So I think you just have to present yourself as available. Maybe you do it. What I've tried to do with, with my older kids is just sort of bring it up in a very casual, like we're getting along, we're talking about a, other, other stuff moment and say, hey, I just wanted to let you know. You can always ask me questions, even if they're embarrassing. You can write them down I'm, I, or you can, you can just ask me and I'll, I'll, I'll answer you. I'll always give you the real story and I'd rather you come to me than to your friends and they say okay and then we move then I then and I ha- does that work I mean do you feel well, like it, that works it does because they, they like I, they probably feel like the ground is going to swallow them up from embarrassment but I but I had that little speech ready and then I let it linger for you a couple of seconds you can. yeah and then I then I deftly segue to so I was thinking um barbecued pork for dinner what do you think that don't 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 let let it hang there and now get now you're going to ask me just let them know that that's available to them because i do think some of this has to be driven by the kid asking and wanting to know and all this stuff don't tell them what they're not ready to know but you'll know they're ready to engage with it when they ask you about it yep and i think another point on that is like 
goes back to like family dinners and having a lot of conversations all the time because conversations in the car, conversations at the dinner table. Like my parents never sat us down and said, okay, tonight's topic the vagina. Like they never <laughs> sat us down to be like, really? We did. No, it's great. It's just great how, that went the way in our house. But you know, I mean, we didn't have like talks. Okay, that talk, this talk. Okay, sit down, son. Like, yeah, we never had those sit down conversations. But in the course of having regular dinners with six people at the table, they would talk about what was going on in the news. They would talk about what was going on in the world. We would talk about things that were happening at school. And a lot of topics kind of float through that range when you're just having a lot of conversations at a dinner table. Right. Things right. come up. All right. So so have a have a dinner table that's open to nuanced conversations. Yeah. I think we should go back and go through what the all there. I think we came up with some good good methods here. Yes, Not that this is ever going to be easy. All right. So we had pause before you respond. Hmm, let me think about that. Right. Don't answer right away. Don't say everyone lives to be 100. <laughs> right. Don't say that. That was a mistake. That. And don't say all the toys go to heaven because that was also a mistake. It's okay to only answer the question that's being asked? It is okay. And I would take it a step farther and say it is imperative to, to only, only answer. answer the question that is being asked. And then if that answer is not sufficient, then answer the next question. With the question. Then, then you answer the next question because the, the, other, the other method is to use that sort of open-ended question. But what, do you, what do you think? Suss out what they know. Make sure you know what they know already so you're not going to horrify them and, you're not, and, and that you know what they're really asking before you answer. That's another way in if you're, not, if you're really not sure. Just, just make sure they're really asking, do babies come out of... <laughs> people's noses and know is that sufficient or do they really do they really need to know right because we get very ahead of ourselves quickly and what we're trying to figure out is like what is the actual information they're after and it might just be as simple as like when i die will my toys be in heaven <laughs> right that, that, mm. that one's probably just going to say yes um, and then and then save a little bit for next time. There will be follow-up questions, but don't get... What happens is we hear a question, we panic. We're like, oh no, this is finally, the door has finally been opened and we now need to run inside and throw everything in the room out at our child. Like that's the instinct that we're trying to fight against. Yes, don't do that, but don't... Because they might just often want to peek inside that room because they're a little curious and it's not your job to like throw the door open, turn all the lights on and be like, ta-da, here's every scary thing you've ever wanted to think about or know. Here's every it, scary thing, exactly. Let them peek, yeah. let them peek. All right, but, but you must do it because otherwise their options are uh, the eight-year-old slumber party or the older sister home from college who was not, she was not the person that... Or creepy... Fifth grade Should've Amy been. behind the dumpster at school <laughs> being like, come here, let me tell you a thing or two, kid. We definitely don't want that for our children. Gina Giancarlo found out everything she needed to know. I'm sure, I'm sure it was 75% wrong, but Scarred I remember for life. I remember her being like, what? No, <laughs> no, you're, there's some, you're crazy. <laughs> How many kids went home from your elementary school and started dinner table conversations? Amy Wilson told me. Oh, your I, name I, must I, have I, been famous. Well, I outed I, myself. Also, like I have that now because I have the young girl, like the girl with two older brothers. And so there are five-year-olds who are first children who are in her preschool. And my kid is the kid who's like 
Darth Maul just takes out a lightsaber and chops off the guy's finger. Like she's the old kid with mm-hmm. the older siblings. And like, I just pray for the first, the neophyte first children who are running into her on the playground. Right. Right. The and ones who are to cry as she describes how dinosaurs like eat your innards. <laughs> my, my five-year-old when he was five said that lightsabers did not kill you. They just hurted you a very lot. I remember he was more, uh, he was more gentle. See? Sweet and innocent. So not she would have, not no. my Peggy. She would have, she'd be like, wake up kid, <laughs> smell the coffee. Those things electrocute you to death and saw you in half. Watch out. So so have the difficult conversations before Peggy before finds Peggy them. Before Peggy has them with your kid. <laughs> exactly. So that's All it. All right, guys. We solved it. We did it. We want to know how you have difficult conversations with your kids, though. If you have tips, uh, I still need a few. So you and can... And we definitely want to know what you're talking about with your kids. What are the thing, What are the questions that your kids are bringing you? Yeah. And how are you answering or not answering very well? You can, you can go to our Facebook page. Uh, search for What Fresh Hell Podcast or on Twitter at Hellfresh. And you can also come to our website, which is whatfreshhellpodcast.com, and we'll have references to everything we talked about on today's episode and ways to get in touch with us with questions and comments. Thanks, and keep those ratings and reviews coming on iTunes. We love it. We need it. We appreciate you. Thanks, guys. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Margaret, it's an exciting news day. An exciting news day indeed, Amy. A few years ago, we launched our first spinoff podcast, Toddler Purgatory, hosted by the hilarious Blair Brooks and Molly Lloyd. And guess what? Now, Blair and Molly are back with their all-new podcast, Unsticking It. You know Blair and Molly as two busy moms and actors, and somewhere between potty training and the pandemic, they both felt like they lost their creative kaboom. In their new podcast, Unsticking It, they are going to talk about how all of us can get back to what lights us up after motherhood. Amy, I need this. Me too. And Blair and Molly will be talking to fellow imaginative minds. We're talking actors, artists, and creators of all kinds about how we can all unstick ourselves from whatever muck we're stuck in. Follow, subscribe, and listen to Unsticking It wherever you get your podcasts. That's Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life stucks. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.